The summer holidays have arrived, which for many of us means that the juggle has begun. But I still want and need to grow my business over summer, as I'm sure you do too. External factors such as school holidays, fuel prices, cost of living crisis, etc, etc, cannot be allowed to dictate the success or otherwise of our businesses. So to help you keep going and keep making more money over summer, I'm running a challenge, the Summer Visibility Sprint. If you've ever wondered, how can I be seen by more of my ideal clients? How can I make more regular monthly income? And what does it really take to stand out and be noticed online? Then you need the Summer Visibility Sprint. You can find all the details and secure your spot at nikkihutchison.com forward slash get dash visible. It may sound simplistic, but getting more visible is absolutely key to you making more sales. If people don't know you exist, they can't and won't buy from you. It really is as simple as that. I can't tell you the number of women who've signed up to my challenges and made sales within the space of a few days of joining. Seriously, let's make that happen for you. And that link again is nikkihutchison.com forward slash get dash visible. Now, on with today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Audience Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Hutchison, and I'm delighted you're here. The Audience Growth Podcast exists to help you learn how to use organic marketing. That's marketing that costs nothing or very little to grow your business. Far too frequently, small business owners spend lots of money on advertising without getting the results they were expecting and hoping for. And it doesn't need to be that way. So every week here on the podcast, we dive into strategies that will help you grow a business that's here for the long term, sometimes on solo episodes and sometimes on longer guest episodes. And on today's episode, I'm chatting to Joe Simpson of Financial Growth Academy. Joe is my accountant, good friend, and is another passionate supporter of women in business, specifically helping us all to make more profit. Hooray! Joe, thank you so much for joining me today and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So I've quickly introduced you to our listeners there, but I know there's so much more to you and your businesses than what I've just shared. So please, could you tell our listeners a bit about yourself? Um, yes, yeah, so I'm Jo Simpson. I am a accountant and bookkeeper. I'm based in Scotland and I've had my bricks and mortar accountancy practice now for 21 years in the end of August. Congratulations. Thank you very much. I don't quite know how I've done it. I can't say it gets any easier. But I've started online towards the end of 2016. I saw a bit of a gap in the market to try and give support to online business owners and try and reach more people and just what I could do in my bricks and mortar business. So yes, I've been online since 2016 and I became Profit First certified in 2017 when there was a small handful of us. There's more than 50 of us now, I think, in the UK. And I teach female entrepreneurs how to make more profit and therefore ultimately earn more money for themselves. Love it. And I also love the fact that you're talking specifically about when you got started in this space. No such thing as an overnight success, right? Absolutely not. And I can hand on heart say that particularly online, when you first go online, you think, oh my God, you've got the masses. There's loads and loads of people. Much easier starting my original practice, going out and networking and meeting people. It takes so much longer to grow online. 
Okay, so I've known you for almost 10 years, I realised. Wow. So I know firsthand just how passionate you are about helping women make more profit. But for those who don't know you, can you briefly explain why it's so important to focus on profit rather than turnover? Okay, so firstly, obviously in the online space, we talk a lot about six and seven figure business revenue, sales, turnover, whatever you want to call it. And as much as I don't like that. I prefer you focus on the profit. I also acknowledge you have to have the revenue to be able to make the profit. So I do put a lot of importance on making the revenue. But for me, the priority has to be profit, which is exactly what I teach, which is the profit first method. If you focus too much on the sales and don't focus on actually retaining some of their money anywhere in the world, I used to say particularly in the UK, but this is anywhere in the world, you cannot take money out of your business unless you're making a profit. Regardless if you're a sole trader or a limited company, your business has to have surplus money, cash, profits in the business for you to be able to take it out. So the reason that I am particularly passionate about this is because of my own experience in 2008, where I was obviously very, very young, naive, and had been teetling along with several businesses, and never really given much attention to the profit, just looking at the money coming into the bank, which was nice. Fairly successful online retail shop and some bricks and mortar clothes shops. And then to me, recession happened overnight. And it was only when I sat down to look at my figures, I realized that actually I had very little retained profit in my business. And my clothes shops were very badly affected because my biggest market was businesswomen in Edinburgh. And of course, they all worked in corporate and mainly worked for the Royal Bank of Scotland. And we all know what happened. So basically, my businesses were really badly affected. If I'd focused more on profit rather than chasing the sales, then I would have been in a much different position. So I basically had to claw my way out of that for two years, full two years, basically of cutting costs, focusing on making more profit. And for me, the big realization then, and obviously it's been proved now because we had a little pandemic, Mm -hmm. was that I would never ever be in the position where something or somebody could control how I was going to earn money. So for me, the only way I could see of doing that was to retain at the time, money, cash in the business. That's not what I teach. What I teach now is putting your profit first and making every penny you've got working for you. And that's really important. It's not just about having a lot of cash in the bank. It's about actually maintaining that cash and making it work for you. So for me, I'm just passionate about making people realize that getting the revenue is great, absolutely great. And you need to get the revenue. You can't make a profit with no turnover, but focusing on making the profit is what will keep not just you being paid, but also the business sustainable. And I literally could give you tens and tens and tens of examples where you've got somebody who's bringing in the elusive seven figures, but they're actually only earning minimum wage out of their business because everything they bring in, everything goes out. So when they come to me, obviously we change that and make it paying themselves a priority. But yeah, turnover has costs. The one that I often talk about, which I think is quite relevant to people, is that the construction industry, which was my main area of my business for a long time, they have tiny profit margins. We're talking two and a half to five percent net profit margins, but you've got the volume on that. But you can see if you make one little mistake in construction, you're losing your profit margins. So for me, go for the revenue, go for that, but focus on it as a holistic, as a whole thing of, you know, making sure that every penny you've got is working for you. I think that's a really sobering thought, isn't it? That people are making seven figures, but actually making minimum wage in reality. Yeah. It's frightening. Yeah, yeah. And I'll freely admit, when I started my first business, as you know, in 2012, it took me a couple of years at least to really start getting serious about the numbers. Because Mm -hmm. at first, I 
I just wasn't interested in how much money I was making. I was way more interested in having fun learning how to grow my own business. But these days, I really try hard to know my numbers. So how can business owners get more interested in knowing their numbers? So the biggest thing with the numbers, I've actually just come off a call where somebody was recommended to me. And obviously, I'm talking about women in particular here because this is my market now, it's female entrepreneurs. She said to me that she doesn't even open her business post. If she gets a brown letter, she doesn't Mm. open it. Now, she is not in a bad position, but the reason so many people don't look at it is because they're frightened and they don't understand. Yeah. So the biggest thing is fear. You don't know what you're doing. I tell everyone, I've heard it all. I'm not good at maths. I'm not good at numbers. My husband does this. I don't do this. My accountant does it. There's all these excuses. Looking at your numbers in your business, you do not have to be good at maths. You do not need to be an accountant or a bookkeeper or anything like to do that. You just have to have the knowledge. You have to have people who are doing that for you. Do not get me wrong if you're not doing it, but you have to have the knowledge. And I think a lot of it, particularly in the female online space, or which is what I'm going to focus on specifically, of female entrepreneurs, is because we put so much passion into business. We want to do it to help people, to support people. I want to. I want to help as many female entrepreneurs become millionaires as possible. That is my mission because I want them to feel empowered with it. However, I also can only do that if I'm making money myself. So if I'm not making money myself, how can I support other people to make money? And we forget, particularly in the UK, we're very British, we don't talk about money. And we forget that actually the sole purpose of a business is to make money. So even if you you will be, because I've yet to meet a female entrepreneur who's not, I've met male entrepreneurs who've not got, you know, they don't give it two hoots about the business side. They're bothered about the service, but they're more bothered about what's in the bank at the end of the month. And this, interestingly, is why there is more successful male businessmen than there is female businesswomen in the UK particularly because they don't put the emotion into it. They focus on the money. And unfortunately, the definition of success is different for everybody. But in the business space, it is based on retaining money and making profits. My dad always quotes Marks and Spencers, you know, because you'll hear, oh, Marks and Spencers have turned over, they've made pre-tax profits, BP, all of these things. And that's because we focus very much on the success, which is about the money. So for me, I just think that female entrepreneurs and women in business need to be much more focused on the priority with the business has to be the money. I'm not saying you don't have the passion for what you do or you don't care and you don't do the best service you possibly can. But if you have all of that, it should bring you money. And I'm meeting more and more people, particularly this year, there's been a big change to it now. I think a lot of people are realizing that they have to lead with making money at the front instead of with the passion at the front. Because if you lead with making money and focus on that as your priority, everything else will come to it. So having that passion for the product, having that service, offering all of that will all make you money. And what about if someone's listening and thinking that they'd rather leave all the financial aspects to their bookkeeper or accountant, whoever they have helping them? What would you say to those people? So there's nothing wrong with doing that at all. Have bookkeepers, have accountants, but they are not responsible. So the first lesson I teach and I start every presentation, you know, because I've done presentations for you before, every presentation I start the first page as you have to take responsibility. Ultimately, it is your responsibility. Your accountant does not create your tax bill. The amount of people I have come to me and say, oh, my accountant's told me my tax is this, or my accountant's given me this tax bill. It's not your accountant (laughs) who's created (laughs) that tax bill. If you've not given the right information over it, there's there's a whole host of things. But the reason that you have to take responsibility for this, whether you like it or not, and I have clients who don't know how to read a balance sheet, they couldn't tell you to the nearest £100,000 what is in their bank account, 
but they know that they're in profit. They know the key figures in the business. They have other people doing for this, but they know the key figures. And if anybody just leaves it to their accountant or the bookkeeper and everything's rosy and everything's great, you know, okay, you've got money surplus there. You know that you've got no money for tax, but you aren't missing the key metrics within your business and you have not got that knowledge to make decisions going forward. So you have to find a way of getting that key information from your bookkeeper or accountant so you can make the decisions in your business. Because if you make decisions based on what you want to do, so that might be a buying decision, you might want to invest in a mastermind and you look at your bank account, for example. And so I want to do this without actually focusing on the fact that can your business sustain this monthly amount of money? You know, what's going to be the return on the investment and that? How can you do all of that without having the numbers in front of you? So my absolute certainty, and you know, because you're a client, any client that we have come on, we make sure they realize that they are responsible for this. It's not my responsibility to make sure you've got enough for your VAT. It's not my responsibility to make sure you've got enough for your corporation tax. It's not my responsibility to make you make profit. I will give you all the tools and all the support that I can, but ultimately you have to take responsibility for when your taxes are due, VAT's due, and the profit that you're making. So yes, responsibility, you know, rip the plaster off. I just told you about the time in 2008, which was horrific for me. And the biggest lesson I learned out of that, and it comes to anything, marketing, HR, managing people, how you do anything in your business is you are ultimately responsible. And by taking on that responsibility, it changes your life when you realize that you can't blame the government. You can't blame a client who's not paid you on time. You can't blame anybody. You have to look at you and you are ultimately responsible and particularly so for the finances. The good side with that is that when things go well, you can take responsibility for that as well, Yeah, (laughs) which is what I do. (laughs) So if it goes well, great. It's all down to me. If it goes badly, every little thing in my business and anything that we've done, I can tie back to me in some shape or form. So yeah, having that responsibility. So if people have got accountants and bookkeepers, work with them to get the information from them. If they're not forthcoming and giving you information, because that's another thing in the industry where they want to keep it all to themselves, you have to tell them how you want it and how you want it presented to you. We've just recently changed the format of one of our reports that we're doing because a lot of our clients have been recently diagnosed with ADHD. So we tried to make it so it's easier for people to read, easier for people to understand. So work with your accountant or bookkeeper to get the information that you need and and set expectations of when you need that information. Yeah, that's great. And when it comes to profit specifically, that's about more than just the numbers, isn't it? 100%. So profit is, for anybody who doesn't know (laughs) what profit is, (laughs) Profit is sales minus all your costs and what you're left with is the profit. And this is why the principles of profit first is very simply flipping that. Instead of having all your sales revenue coming in, having all your expenses going out and whatever you're left at the end, and there is not a business owner I have ever met that has not done this at some stage in their business, whatever's left at the end, they might take out for themselves. What profit first does is it says, right, what profit do you need to make to be able to pay your money that you want. So if you wanted to pay yourself £5,000 a month, for example, and I've been preaching about this a lot recently, the amount of business owners I'm seeing who are not taking the minimum of 5000 a month, which is what I recommend to anybody as a base level, 5000 in your hand. So if you want to bring 5000 in, there's a good chance you need to make 10000 net profit to be able to cover your taxes, take out the 5000 and then to be able to have some retained profit in your business. So once you've got those figures and you know what you need to be, you can reverse engineer it to what sales they're going to be. So instead of having sales minus expenses equals your profit, you're putting the profit first, working that first. So in terms of the profit in the business with the key numbers, you know, different things have different profit margins. Products, for example, there's some things you can make 
£5 an item, but you're selling thousands of them. There's other things that you can make £200 an item and you're only selling two. So you've got to work out for every service, every product, what your margins is on that. Now, making the profit is one thing. The other common mistake, which is why you have to focus on all the numbers in it, is that people might make the profit, but they take all of the profit out of the business for themselves and they're not allowing enough for tax. So that it's not just about focusing on the profit, it's focusing on getting the revenue in that is going to allow you to pay your taxes, have some profit spare and to pay you what you have to be paid. So all of these numbers work together. And I was presenting last month at a mastermind for a friend of mine, Katie, and I did the profit first. And they said, oh my God, that is so simple. Is this not just like saving? I said, that's exactly what it's like. Accounting is simple. It is very, very simple. But profit first is just one of the tools that you can use to manage your business finances. It is not the be all and end all because, you know, you have to look at other things, projections of what you're doing, what your services are doing you know, paying out, we see it online. And I, somebody, I saw a post recently when somebody said, oh, so-and-so is saying that they've done this much sales, but I know for a fact that they had to pay affiliates out with that. Well, that's absolutely fine. If you're going to give me a million pounds, but say for a million pounds, 500,000 of that, I have to go to affiliates and I'm going to have 500 for myself. Absolutely fine. No problem at all. And likewise, Ian, the accountant who works for me, he always says to people, I'm amazed at how many people don't want to take the money because they don't want to pay the tax. So if I offered you £500,000, but you had to pay £250,000 tax, would you take the £250,000? You'd bite my hands (laughs) off for it. (laughs) But so many people don't because they've got this fear of tax. So it's not just about the profits, it's about knowing what your tax is. It's about knowing what you can put through your business. It's about knowing your revenue. It's about knowing what you want to earn out of it. And it's about what retained profit you need to keep in your business. And not all profit is equal. Mm -hmm. This is a long paragraph, but I just wanted to give a little nugget that I've noticed recently is that every business doesn't need to keep the same amount of retained profit in the business. So what I mean by that is that my business, for example, doesn't need to keep much retained profit in it. The model I have, I have way over 100 clients I think we're on now, and we have lots of different amounts of money people are paying us. They all have to pay us direct debit. We take no client that doesn't pay us monthly direct debit anymore, takes away the hassle. And the chances of that all disappearing overnight are very, very slim. So I don't need to keep that much retained profit in my business because it should always be good lump sums coming in every month. For a beauty salon, for example, look what happened in COVID. Their business disappeared overnight. So if you're the type of business that could be shut down because of a leak, for example, which happened to a a client of mine who's got a beauty salon, she had a really bad flood, she had to close her business down. Now, she was insured. Yes, she was insured. That was no problem. But that wasn't going to pay out for weeks. Because she'd kept retained profit in her business, she was able to pay all our bills and do everything until the insurance came in. So you've got to work out for your type of business, what is the profit you need to keep in your business? So I don't actually keep that much retained profit in JK, my bookkeeping practice, but I do in FGA because FGA is my online business. And, you know, we could have a big launch where a lot of money comes in, but that's got to last us for a good few months. So yeah, looking, that's just a little tip for anybody as well, is that work out what you actually need to keep in your business's retained profit. And then anything above that, make that money work for you. The interest rates are at an all-time high We focus a lot on the negative of that, but the positive of that is that you're getting great returns on money sitting in banks. So if you have got profit, you know, spare profit, utilize it and use it and invest it well. And another thing that I like to do is to work out which of my services, particularly for this is for service-based businesses, which of my services are actually going to suck up the most amount of my time. Correct. And compare that to their profitability 
and then decide what I'm going to focus on for the next 12 months. So it all kind of dovetails really neatly, doesn't it? 100%. And that's another reason in my mastermind today, one of the things we're doing is working at a six-month financial goal and backdating it for specific products. So for example, my ecosystem of products is always, you know, your high ticket membership is what I have, um, which my mastermind's my high ticket, then my membership. And then I have what's called a tiny offer, which is what I use to pay for my Facebook ads. So that's the ecosystem I've got. And people would look at that tiny offer and think, you're not making any money of that. That's paying my ads and they're getting into my email list and therefore I'm getting a return on it. So we were just talking about sponsorship earlier, you know, sponsorship, getting a return on investment in that and looking at everything that you're doing, your time and your money, are you getting a return on investment in it? And generally speaking, over the years, I've done this for a long time. The things that you think are making you money are not always the ones that are. Yeah. It's always so revealing when you do that exercise, isn't it? And you look at each revenue stream. Yeah, 100%. Particularly when it's time-based, I always caveat this by saying, my father says, I sound like a lady of the night. We charge by the hour, you know, so our packages are based on an hourly rate. So if we're quoting somebody a package price and then we break that down into hours, we have to be super strict that we keep into that hours because, you know, we will lose money. So for me, for profitability, which is the other side of it, everybody's business has got a different leverage of what profitability is. For me, my staff have got no control on the profit because they've got no control of how I spend the money, thankfully. I am responsible for all sales coming into the business. That's my job. But my team are responsible for doing all the work for that. Where my profitability drops every single time is when we're not being productive or efficient, or we have certain clients we're spending too much time on and other ones that we're not. Generally speaking, the biggest paying ones for us are the ones that are the least amount of work involved because they're prepared to invest in systems and automation and time and to understand the numbers in the businesses as well. So yeah, it's very interesting to work out what is doing. And I've seen it in businesses where they've had a really profitable product or service. They introduce a new one or set up another business, which is very, very common. They set up another business alongside that because they think this business is doing really well. And then I see this other business drain the life out of the other one because that product or service is not making the money. And because the other one is, that is funding that. And that is very, very common in business owners, particularly successful business owners who think I've done this once, (laughs) I can do this again. And that isn't always the case because different industries are very, very different. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about launches. You mentioned them briefly, and we both use launches to generate revenue. In my business, we work on launches for clients. Why is it important to pay attention to profit when it's possible to generate five, six, or even seven-figure turnover from a single launch? So the big thing with launches for me is that I have a client who does one launch a year. She does one launch a year and she brings in the best part of £400,000. She's got a very, very small team and it costs her, in terms of actually outsourcing the work, for that 400000 it costs her about 200000 to do it. And then she's got her time as well. So You don't have to launch very often, but that 400,000 has got to last her money for the whole year. It's got to pay her money. Mm -hmm. So my model with my launches is I don't actually offer painfuls. My masterminds are spread over six months because that takes that away from me because I know I've got the money coming in every month. If you are doing the launch model where every three months you've got a big income coming in, with the profit first model, you're going to put a percentage of that away. So if you've only got a thousand coming in, a percentage of that is going to go away. Say it was 30% was going to go away to save for profit. So if you keep the percentages volume on that, and when you say you had a launch of a thousand pounds, are you going to put away 300 pounds of that? If you had a launch of a hundred thousand pounds, you're going to put away 30,000 pounds on that. It's really important that you don't just say, 
right, I've got that money in, I spend it all, and then you've got that next launch. You've got to spread it out. And that's why it's important to look at the profit margins on it and spread it. Because otherwise you get into this stage, which is very, very common, where people put all their effort into the launch and then they have to actually carry out the work. And they're kind of all, oh. But if they realize that they're going to put all the effort in getting the sales in, but then they're going to take people on to do the work for it or use affiliates or anything like that, they need to make sure they've properly costed that. Because if they've then got £100,000 coming in, but they're going to have to pay somebody 10000 a month for six months, they then have to pay for an administrator of that, somebody supporting the Facebook groups. I've seen it. I've seen £100,000 launch come into the bank. And then before you know it, six months time, it's lost money because when you've done it over that six months, so it's so important for every launch. I'm actually, I've I've got it open on my screen because I was just finishing it. I've actually got a launch spreadsheet that I do, which pops in the amount of money it's going to cost you over the period. So if you're selling a program for three months, six months, I know people who do 12 month masterminds, they offer that. It shows you what the cost all is and it shows you what you need to put away. That's going to be one of my new freebies because it's too easy to just go, I've got a hundred thousand in, let's spend it all. Mm -hmm. And that is when success business owners who can do these big launches, they lose out on it. Yeah, I much prefer to have that security. And I know it's still a risk because people might not fulfill their payment plans. But to be honest, it's not an issue that we've come up against. No, I much prefer to have the security of that money coming in for the next six months, the next 12 months, whatever, rather than don't get me wrong, sometimes it's nice to have a big cash injection. But the way that our business is structured, we get both. So we have the online training side and then we have the agency side, which is more project based. I agree with you when it comes to online courses, masterminds, etc. I much prefer to charge across the year and to pay across the year as well if I'm joining them. Yes, exactly. As you know, how I work, I don't just work on the numbers. I, I look at it all together as a business. The other side of it is if you're paying monthly, so I will very rarely pay the pay in full option for anything. If it was a mastermind, if it needs my engagement every month, I would always pay monthly because what happens if you pay annually, you forget about it and you might lose momentum with it. Totally. So think about how you're paying people, which is another tip that I always give people when they're managing their own money. How do you like to get paid? How do you you know, like to do things? So for me, if I'm paying a monthly amount for the mastermind, it's keeping me engaged and it's keeping me wanting to do that. So the other flip side of that for me is that I want my clients to be engaged through it. So I've just launched my my first mastermind, I didn't give a painful option. I actually had two people request it for various reasons. But the reason that I didn't offer a painful was because I wanted people to stay engaged and know that money's coming out the bank every month and see it and then put in the work to do it. For me as well, it's just a better way. Having that money coming in every month, it's that security of knowing it. We actually did a calculation. I'm very, very honest about every single mistake I ever make in my business. And one of them, we track every hour everybody spends, but we weren't reviewing this tracking. So in the last four years, we've moved our model now to everybody pays me monthly. If you don't want to pay me monthly, you don't come over. It stopped clients moaning about bills. Nobody ever moans about bills anymore. It stopped the admin of us having to invoice everybody and work out the time and chasing for invoice. It's got rid of all of that. Clients are happier. It's easier admin for us. But when we actually did the exercise of how much we were losing, if we charged by the hour, it was thousands, thousands and thousands. So the temptation for me there was to go, right, Let's go back to charging everybody by the hour. But it's not what the industry wants anymore. The world doesn't want. My accountant charges by the hour. I don't pay a package price to him. And it is thousands and thousands a year. I never know what it's going to be depending on how much advice I need. And that's not the model I want to go. So my point with that is I've made a decision to forego less money coming in for less of an admin hassle, for making all my clients happy. Amount of times I go into accountants forums and things, they say, oh, not being paid by this client, not being paid by that one. I'm doing their tax and blah, blah, blah. 
make things easy for yourself, get the payments from them. So we lost out. And when I say thousands, we're talking over £10,000 a month. We're losing out by doing this package price. But it's a decision we wanted to make. The industry's changed. People don't like paying for accountants and bookkeepers. (laughs) That's the less fun side of things that people want to pay. So we've created a model that works. We're still making profit. If we weren't making profit, it'd be different. We're still making money and I'm supporting people on their journey and hopefully they'll grow as well. So it's not just about the money is a point to that. (laughs) And when it comes to making more profit, obviously we can make more sales. We can spend less money. But what are some of the key ways that you help women make and retain more profit? So the first thing I always do is say that there's very easy things that you can do straight away today. The first step is always look at your expenses. You've just talked about it. Now, it's not necessarily cutting those expenses. It's looking at what the return on investment is. So for me, the model that I use for reviewing your expenses is not cutting it. It's to look and say, are you getting the most out of that? So for example, if you were paying for a membership, for example, And then you look at that and you go, oh, I can't afford that anymore. But if you're getting referral after referral after referral through that, you're getting the return investment, keep it. Look at what extras you get from it. So, you know, our software, we pay a lot for software, thousands a month. Nick now every six months speaks to them and says, is there anything we can do to get our zero cost down, QuickBooks cost down? We review that. So that's the first thing, review the expenses. We actually found out that we got some training included in something that we were paying for, which I was going to go and pay separately for one of the girls. So looking at what you're getting, that will make you money. So that's the first thing you do is expenses. The sales is an obvious one, but the sales, I'm just going to touch on this as well as the sales. And it's what you teach too with your marketing side. The sales is look what you can get out of your current clients before going and chasing new clients. Look if there's anything extra you can sell them. Is there anything add-ons that you can give those clients that is going to bring more money in straight away? Can you put those clients' prices up? Even if you just put it up by 10%. We had a client come to us recently, which was on monthly package, a similar model to me, that we put everything up by £50 a person and nobody batted an eyelid. They were all happy and it brought in thousands. So that's another step. Are you charging the right thing? The other one is look at your productivity in your business and efficiencies. This is the most common one I see in the construction industry because, for example, they don't like investing in IT or anything like that. I make sure my girls have got top of the range computers. I replace my Mac every two years because efficiency is really, really important to me because this is what keeps my staff doing it. So is there software that I can pay for? So a bigger expense, we're going to make things more efficient. So that makes more profit ultimately as well. So look at your efficiencies as well. So the ones that I've just said there, not just about going and getting new sales, it's looking at what prices you can increase. There might be some people you can decrease. You know, that's not always a bad thing. It might be somebody who's paying you money that's taking you a lot of your time that you don't want to be doing it or it's not worth your time. Look, I'm going to put you on a different package, which is going to free me up to go for somebody more. So look at what you're currently doing. All of these that you can do really easily. The next one, your expenses, are you getting the return on investment on the expenses? Look at what extra you can get from that, not necessarily cutting it. Then the next one after that was efficiencies and productivity. Is there anything that's going to make things quicker, more automated and more efficient in your business? So that's your three top ones that you can do. And then the other one for the profit is to actually work backwards on what do you need to have out of your business? So actually working out how much do you need to be taking out of your business? When I say need, that's not just to cover your mortgage or your bills. This is for you to be able to go and get your hydrofacial done once a month. So what money do you need to get out of it? And then what money do you actually need to bring into your business to have that profit? Because the amount of people who take either everything out or don't leave enough for tax or don't keep retained profit in it because they don't know the top figure, that's how you can work out if you're profitable enough as well. 
So looking at the services, reviewing your services, reviewing everything you do, this all affects profitability. So yeah, so there's some of the key ones. It all adds up so quickly as well, doesn't it? There've just been a couple of things, even just within the past week, I realised we were about to pay for some training for the team. And like you, I looked inside a membership that I joined recently. Oh, there's a module on exactly what we needed. You've got it. Yeah. And we switched our calendar booking system as well. We were paying monthly, saw a deal on AppSumo, lifetime deal, switched. And yeah, I had to pay my assistant a couple of hours to make the switch across, rejig all the automations and things where people were booking. Doesn't matter. It's well worth it. We paid this lifetime deal and now we never have to pay for it again. So... And that's the thing. And there's always things that you can do today. You know, I do a profit strategy. So any clients who work with me, um, with my profit first, we do a profit strategy. I do a freelance CFO service for people. I don't do any bookkeeping accounts. We just focus on how they can make more profit. And for me, that's looking at the services, looking at what they're selling. There's certain things that are working really well for people this year. Sponsorships are working really, really well for people. And for me, the difference I would probably say is I'm not focused on cutting costs. And the one thing that I've really seen and the difference between if you have any listeners who want to get to the elusive seven figures or the multiple, multiple six figures, and I know we've talked about it before, is you have to be comfortable with making money. You have to be comfortable with spending money and you have to be comfortable with selling. If you do those three things, you know, along with everything else, you will make more profit in your business. And the people who do not bat an eyelid at costs, and I work with a lot of seven figure business owners pardon the expression, seven-figure profitable business owners as well. I'm going to put that caveat there. And the thing that they do is they're not afraid to invest in the right things in their business. They don't look for the silver bullet, the, the magic thing that's going to make everything right. They're taking responsibility. They know that certain things are going to make them money. They invest in people like me because they know that I will save them taxes. I will keep them efficient. I will keep them on top of their numbers. So they don't blink at prices, what I charge for my CFO. It doesn't even come over their head because they know they're going to get that return on investment. And that's really important that people realize that sometimes you have to spend money to make money. Absolutely. And it's about becoming comfortable with risk. You need to become comfortable with speculating to accumulate, don't you? Nikki, we all have that fear. We've done it. We've gone, oh my God, I don't want to pay for this anymore because it's too expensive. And what's it going to do? But you have to get comfortable with that. You have to spend money in your business. You have to do it. You can get to multiple six figures without spending much money, but to get further than that, you have to invest and invest in the right things. So we've worked together on your branding and marketing in the past. Your fabulous marketing mm-hmm. manager, Krista, has been a member of my yes. program, Audience Growth Club, and she is she fantastic has. at implementing <laughs> everything when it comes to your marketing. She is just brilliant. Can you share what activities you as a team are focusing on that's working well to market your business right now? Yeah, no problem. Marketing is a massive part of business success and actually To make the money, you have to focus on getting your audience growth. You have to. Yes. (laughs) You have to get your audience growing. And that is a big focus. I could have launched my mastermind years ago. Would I have got the audience that I had? No. I've spent years building my audience. We have only just turned a profit in Financial Growth Academy, ironically with the name. Um, But that was because I knew I didn't want to sell anything until we had the audience to do it. So we decided, which everybody teaches you, and I know it's the right thing to do, but I stuck with it. We stuck to one platform. So we stuck to Instagram. We have a particular way of managing the Instagram side of it. The one thing that's really, really worked for me, and I know I'm very lucky because Krista works for me full time and she is absolutely amazing. And she knows me inside out. She knows what I like, what I don't like. And she has created relationships with other people by not just putting a post out there, but interacting with other people. What works really well for us is 
I look at everything I do with the marketing. I look at how I like to be sold to. How will I buy from you? What works for me? How I want to do that? And I like genuine, honest people. I am me. I swear a lot. I'm amazed I've not bloody swear. <laughs> so I swear there as soon as I say. I swear a lot. I'm very, very frank. I will tell you what you don't want to always hear all the time. So I make sure that comes across in my stories, in my marketing. So engagement with other people has been the massive thing for us, making sure we're engaging with other people. A really good one for us was our new freebie. So we listened to what people wanted and what everybody wants to know is how much do they need to bring into their business to cover their taxes and give them the money that they want and to have retained profits. So we've got a very simple calculator that has proved really successful because people are signing up for it. So they want that. The biggest marketing thing, and it goes back to what I did 21 years ago, ironically, is me getting out there and putting myself out there. You know this, Nikki. I go to events, I speak, I not just go to the opening of an envelope, I will speak at the opening (laughs) of an envelope. So getting out and about to events has been a massive thing for me. The other one, which has been a game changer for me, has introduced my power hour. Marketing is not my forte, which is why I outsource it, which is another top tip for anybody. Outsource anything in your business that is not your zone of genius. If somebody could do it cheaper or better than me, it gets outsourced. So Krista obviously does all the marketing side, but there has to be some involvement from me. So we were really struggling with this. Because there's not many people do what I do in the UK, I get tagged a lot. So I came up with a power hour. I said to Krista, right, once a week, we're going to give an hour to this. Instead of answering questions in groups, which I can't do very well because of money laundering regulations, et cetera, I just say to everyone, come along to my power hour on Monday. You could ask me anything you want. I have also had people coming to that power hour. I've been running it two years gone April. Every Monday morning at 10, I don't take a massive amount of holidays. So it's on pretty much every week. People know they can turn up at that. It starts the week. It's free. They can ask me whatever they want. And I've taught people profit first in that without anybody actually paying me a penny. I have people who come to that. They come on it. They go, lovely. You're not for me. You're too orange and you swear too much. (laughs) I hope they don't actually say that to you. (laughs) (laughs) It always makes people laugh because I have had somebody who said that. Not a big lesson is you're not for everybody. So it's a great way for them to come along without spending any money to see if they like me. So for me, that hour is the best marketing tool I've ever invested in my business. And I've seen other people try and replicate it and I've advised other people to do it, but they don't commit to it. They do one or two and nobody turns up or they do them at eight o'clock on a Friday night or they do it at a time which is not convenient. I know my market and Finance Friday used to be a thing. I can't think of anything worse than doing (laughs) finances on a Friday. Like really, who would want to do that? So I like to do Money Mondays, which is do it, start your week. I try and uplift everyone. I try and empower everybody. I try and give you a little nuggets that you can take away and it sets you on the route for the week. To the stage where if I don't do it, I didn't do it on Monday, I'm getting messages from people going, oh my God, I hate this because I don't feel like I'm starting my week properly. So yeah, that's been a really good marketing one. And my final one, so creating that space where people can come along and ask you questions and be in there for them, getting to know you. The other one, obviously, advertising is is worked, knowing your right advertising. But the best one for not just me, but for my clients that is working brilliantly is sponsorship. Sponsoring things because you can track it. So that's been another thing, I think. And watch this space. I think a lot of people are going to be doing this and offering that in the next year. And just to go back to what you said there about tracking, do you have a way of tracking? I'm sure you do. The people who come to your Monday Power Hour and the money that they eventually spend with you or they've spent with you so far? Yes. We have a sheet that's printed that shows how many people come along and how many people come back. What happens with the power hour, which is very common. So Krista tracks everything. She always contacts them afterwards, asks them if they've enjoyed it, what they didn't like, what they didn't like about it. The biggest thing is that people fall off the wagon 
with the power hour. So what happens is they come along and they go, I love this. This is what happens when people read Profit First. They go, this is brilliant. I'm going to do this. I'm going to smash this. They come along, they set up all the percentages and say, right, I'm going to save money. And then after a few weeks, they've not got any money to move in the pots. So they drop off and they disappear. So Krista then reaches out to them. If they've not, if they've come for more than once, she then reaches out to them. And then what we do is we track to see how many people we actually get in spending. I've actually got, and from the figures we got this, we also then track how people find us. So we have one person who comes to our parish. She's very regular. She's never paid for any of my things, not even my 15 pound course, never paid a penny. But she has recommended over the last two years, 48 people to my power hour. And out of those 48 people, 10 people have bought one shape or another. So never underestimate who you're going to meet. I treat everybody as equal. It doesn't matter to me if you're a multimillionaire or not got a pot. If something doesn't work out in my marketing efforts, I never go, that was crap. I always look at it and go, right, what did I get out of it? Yeah, it's so true. And I always say this as well. You just never know what you're going to get and you will always get something from going to that networking meeting, joining that thing, whatever. 100%, 100%. And it is a lot of time. My team have seen me float off into the sunset in quite a few retreats in the last few years. But actually, when they can see what we've brought in from that, and actually, Nikki, you and I went to Carrie Green's Inspired Vacant. FEA, yeah. Her first ever one in 2017. Yeah. We went, if you remember, you went very, very much focused on business. I went because I wanted to break from my family. <laughs> and at the time, I couldn't see I could go on holiday. So that was a way of me going away without my family. And I had no preconceptions about what I wanted to do. We knew Carrie, knew James. So I knew a lot of the girls who were going on it. You were going on it. We went on that with no preconceived ideas of what I was going to get out of it. I knew you already, but I got four clients out of it. Obviously, I met Carrie and James, who've then led on. I met Susan, who opened the whole world of the Beauty Directors Club to me. It just opens the doors. So from one trip, I have literally made hundreds of thousands of pounds. But I never go to these things with, and I know it's wrong. I did some training on networking recently. I thought, that's everything I don't do. I don't go with a mission. I go and show me. (laughs) But sometimes that's probably the reason that you are being so successful when you do go on these things and you are getting so much business because you're not being pushy. You don't have expectations. You're just showing up ready to meet people. One of the things I love about what you teach, you've got to grow your audience. You've got to get those people into your world, but then you've got to look after those people and they've got to know that you care about them and that you care about what they're doing. And I hand on heart care about every single one of my clients and ultimately what they're going to be doing. And that can be from the people who come to Power Hour and don't pay me a penny. And I want to help. And that comes across being authentic. So why do you think your Power Hour has worked where other people have tried to replicate it and they haven't managed? Is it because you kept showing up, even though I don't know what's your lowest number ever been? I don't think we've ever had less than 10. So that's really good going. And then you keep showing up. So it's not like you're thinking, oh, we've only had nine this week. So I'm just going to give it a miss next week. So I think the reason it's worked is one, I've been consistent and I never have any expectations out of it. Never. And trust me when I say there's Mondays where I don't want to show up and be all, hello, but I do it and I stick to it. And if somebody comes along, doesn't like me, absolutely fine. I don't have a problem with it at all. But that has been so successful for us. The other thing it's really safe, because remember, for me, money is also productivity. I don't need to get on sales calls with anybody now. I will not have a sales call with anybody who's not been on my power hour. And when I say this, I convert 100% of every calls I get on. If you get one-on-one with me, I convert them. That's such an important part of it is letting people get to know you. So I love those three tips. Take responsibility, be authentic and be consistent. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to give you one more. Realistic. (laughs) (laughs) 
realistic. Yes. You know, setting outrageous goals, brilliant. I'm all for setting outrageous goals. Do not get me wrong, but I want people to be realistic about what they can do. If you are somebody who never wants to spend money in your business or pay for advertising or spend the time going to networking events, creating that organic, creating products that people want, because that's a very common one where I see people create things that they want to sell, but nobody wants it. So you have to be realistic. What do people want and what do people want to pay for? And then what is possible? If you're a one-man band charging £25 an hour and you want to work 10 hours a week, you ain't going to make 10 grand a month. You ain't going to do it. You ain't. (laughs) So Not realistic. So you have to be realistic as well. So there's my other one. Joe, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It's always great to discuss money and marketing with you. So final thing, I think I know what you're going to say to this, but where's the best place for our listeners to find out more about you? Instagram. (laughs) So Instagram, yeah. Krista has dabbled with us with Facebook and she has got me a LinkedIn profile. LinkedIn for me is for proper accountants, as I always say. They do really well on that. That's not where my audience hangs out. My audience hangs out on Instagram. So Financial Growth Academy UK. We have a little link tree that gives you a lot of freebies. Even if you just want to message me on there, DM me what your problem is, and I will find something for you that can help you for free. And we've got all the links in there to come along to the Power Hour on a Monday morning at 10. Amazing. Thank you so much. And I'll see you soon. Thank you. Take care. enjoyed today's episode with joe and i'll be back next week this time with a solo episode and i'd love to see you back here then and remember to head over right now and secure your spot in the summer visibility sprint together we're going to make sure that people discover your business this summer and you can start making more money and profit that link again is nikkihutchison.com forward slash get dash visible have a great week and i'll see you next friday until then take care and keep marketing.